0: Hey lovelies, before we get started, I wanted to make sure you knew that the pre-order for the restock of the super popular winter dress, the snuggle dress, is open now. The snuggle dress is my version of a sweater dress that, just like a good snuggle with someone you love, is designed to make you feel incredible and I think we could all use a nice hug right about now. It is made of a luxurious knit fabric and features a mock neckline and puff sleeves with a tight cuff. The body of the dress is cocoon shaped. So first of all, it is universally flattering and you can move about your day comfortably. I have not been able to keep sizes of the black and mauve color in stock. So during your pre-order is your chance to get your hands on them. It comes in sizes extra small through 3X. The 3X is new. This is the first time the snuggle dress is being offered in 3X and uh, the size range is is 2 through 28. the equivalent thereof. The pre-order is closing when I get to my desk first thing Tuesday morning, November 1st. The link is in the show notes. If it still works, or you still see it listed on impactfashionnyc.com, then you can still pre-order. Pre-ordering guarantees you get the size and color you want and allows you to shop stress-free without any launch day jitters or just having to be glued to your phone. When it does come in, It will sell out quickly, so do not miss this pre-order. Pre-order the snuggle dress and learn more by going to impactfashionnyc.com. Enjoy the show. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. Kids, and on today's show, I sit down with the founders of the Loose Ends Project, who pair crafters with unfinished projects of those who have passed. They share why they have so many more finishers than projects, how they pair the projects with the right finishers, and how they preserve the work of your loved one. Macy Kaplan and Jen Simonic are a wonderful, heartwarming example of two people using their talents to brighten the world in a real and meaningful way. Their organization, The Loose Ends Project, matches an unfinished project of a loved one who has passed with a crafter to finish it. It's a very special and intimate connection that requires handling with lots of care. I always start out by asking, what were you like as a little kid? And I'm going to throw it to you first, Macy. <laughs> oh,
1: wow. I love it. Nobody has asked that before. I was really really shy and um and I loved I loved crafts but but when I was a little kid was the early 70s and I remember um I remember learning how to crochet when I was maybe four ish maybe it was preschool time and just thinking it was like amazing I mean I I think uh I, I don't remember but I, I, I heard I was, I do, I do remember a lot of shyness and um, enthralled by the fact that that string could become something else.
0: Four is really young to start. I'm kind of impressed that you had the dexterity to be crocheting then.
1: Yeah, I, well, I remember um, my dad brought me to a friend of his house and she was older. And I just remember watching her hands. She crocheted and I just remember watching her hands in awe of what she was lightning fast. And, um, and she would just have a conversation. She would be having a conversation with my dad and I was just tagging along and just could not take my eyes off of her hands moving fast. And then one day, I mean, we would visit her every so often. And one day I just remember her handing me a crochet hook and set in showing me how to do it and yeah it was I was a little I was really little I don't think my brothers were even around yet I'm not sure
0: wow that's yeah it's so great to be able to to do something like to really the power of making something right like first there was nothing and now there is a thing like you said string to turn into stuff
1: magical right it's yeah exactly like and and um and i'm not saying that when i was before school age i was great at any any of it but it was just like you know i could make a stick w- move through string into something else and it was groovy yeah
0: i'm sh- i'm sure <laughs> jen what were you like as a little kid
2: uh i was uh i was kind of, i was not shy i was a little precocious um i'm i'm an only child and i had young parents. So I kind of felt like I was part of a, a team of three. <laughs> and, you know, I felt like my place was anywhere they were, which might not have been appropriate. <laughs> oh, so, um, yeah, I was just really talkative. And I was the kid in class who always had their hand up. So which is not always great. Because um, sometimes that's annoying. So I learned how to I learned how to knit when I was about seven. And when I was in sixth grade, I realized that when I knit, I am, um, I am a little calmer and can concentrate a little bit better. Um, and it was like the original fidget spinner for me. So I would sit and knit under the table because people would make fun of me for knitting. Because, you know, kids are mean. <laughs> but it didn't stop me. And it turns out I still do it. So and I really like it. It's uh, it's very calming for me, and it just helps me focus on what's going on. I've had, I've had bosses who haven't understood that and tried to get me to stop during meetings, and then I'm just annoying.
0: <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> so, so they're you know they they get over it. Or and the best part about the pandemic was knitting below the camera at Zoom meetings. You just look like you were taking really good notes,
0: like this. <laughs> and and we should note for for listeners who cannot see, both Jen and Macy have um, are knitting right now as we speak. Macy, are you
1: crocheting or are you
0: knitting? No,
1: this is a this is a knitting. I crocheting never after when I was little. Um, it didn't really stick. I, once I learned to knit, I just preferred that. Uh, personally. So now I just admire other people's crochet. I don't really do it a whole lot, but
0: yep. I, I love that you two both brought your projects. I feel like I should have my needlepoint with me, the oh. uh, which I haven't picked up in a long time, but whatever. I still, I have the, I have it near me. Cause like in theory, I think that one of these days I'm going to work around towards finishing it. And I might, but Wait. it was, I I might. For me, it was, uh, I picked up needlepointing again when I was newly postpartum and I didn't want to be on my phone while like tummy time and things were happening. But also- um nobody tells you that tummy time is really boring for the mom. Oh, oh yeah. yeah babies like, can be really yeah. boring, like really <laughs> boring. But I didn't. But again, I didn't want to be on my phone. So I got a little needlepoint that I could do. And like and it and it's it's easier to like concentrate on more things. Like you said, it's just super Zen, those kinds of repetitive motions with your hands. Um, how did, how did the two of you meet? Macy, can you tell me a little bit about how you guys know each other?
1: I can um I met Jen because she and my husband and her husband all went to college together and um I would be a plus one whenever the school stuff happened like whenever the alumni stuff happened and Jen and I um realized very quick that we had um fiber arts textile love stuff in common and so we would kind of take our conversation elsewhere whilst the architects were talking about houses. Um and uh sometimes run off together to yarn shop or um, you know, just kind of play with yarn together. And so I I usually am not the one asked that question, Jen is always asked that question and um this is my first time answering it. How did I do? <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Good job. Hey.
0: <laughs> so so at what point and I, and I'll throw this one to Jen. Um I like became aware of you guys and, and got to know you a little bit through something called the Loose Ends Project. And I would love Jen if you could tell me what that is and how that came about and and what it is that you guys are are doing here cuz it's really fun. Sure.
2: Sure thing, thank you for asking the loose ends project is an organization where we um, match people who have projects made by a loved one who has passed away or has ceased to be able to finish that project because of illness or something that's alzheimer's something that's that's made them not able to finish their craft and we connect them with a finisher nearby and that finisher has is we do this by location. We want to make sure that they're close by so that they can meet, maybe shave shipping, stop the, the greenhouse gases of, of shipping things. Um, but mostly so that they can know that there's a, somebody local that cares enough to help them. Um, we also uh, match people by the skill that they do and whether or not they like to do it. So I might be able to crochet. That's not my favorite thing um I would rather do knitting projects so that's that's what we do um and so far we've had a thousand projects submitted but um we've actually touched probably oh gosh maybe maybe two thousand if we're being real because a lot of people's bags contain more than one project and what Mm -hmm. happens is a, a crafter Our our, one of our finishers will get the one project and the person will be like hey is this anything is this anything we had a we had a one quilt project turn into eight mini quilts um and we don't ever find out until after the fact they're like yeah there were eight and we're like wait we had all these other people who wanted to help but okay um so that so that's what we do um how it came to pass is it's it was something that macy had in her head for a while and we talked about doing something together um i was looking for a job and we were looking for a lot of doing some stuff and then we were at another meet like gathering of our friends and one of our friends had just had her mother pass and as we were going there um she said oh and you're guys gonna help me go through her bag which is something that crafters do for other crafters as we go through whatever they've left left behind, because nobody wants to think that the thing that their loved one loved to to do was, uh, you know, redundant, or just something you're gonna throw in the garbage or give to Goodwill. So I've had I've been asked to do this a lot. Macy's been asked to do this, we went through all the all the needles, we got rid of duplicates, we made sure my friend Patty had everything she could need if she wanted to continue in the craft herself. We put all the yarn and we separated the yarn, you know, I which is gonna go to the senior center, what's gonna go to a school. And then while we were doing it, we found two more blankets that Patty's mom had started, uh, one for each of her sons. Patty has a ginormous Afghan that her mom made for her that she can envelop herself in. And her mom really wanted to leave one for each of her sons too, and um, had started them both and then expressed an anxiety while she was going through chemo that she wasn't gonna get it done. so Macy was like, hey, I've been having this idea for this this thing, and I've got the name already. It's the lo- loose ends because we're tying up loose ends, which I just thought was inspired. And um, I looked at these crochet blankets and went, I guess we're making some crochet blankets. And Macy was like, or we could see if some strangers want to do it. <laughs> and I was like, that's great, because I don't want to make these crochet blankets. I love you, Patty. I just don't like crocheting as much. Um, and so it it started. We we put out the word. It was very, you know, grassroots. We put out the word, put put signs up all over the place. Macy Macy's a graphic designer, so she set up a website for us. We made flyers, we made postcards, we made business cards, we walked all through Maine, put up stuff in coffee houses. I put stuff up in coffee houses and yard stores and went to hospice and went to ARP and went went all over the place and said hey we want to tell you what what we're doing and um uh, in a month we had about 100 150 people signed up to do it and we had five projects um the projects it turns out are harder because people don't always know what they have so that's how we started
0: that's so interesting though you're saying that that it's harder i would assume Well, maybe not from what I know of crafting people, but I would assume that it would be harder to, that like you would have this deluge of half finished sweaters and then like, and and not enough people who wanted to complete them. Has that not been your
1: experience, Macy? So no, and it was, um, I don't think we knew what to expect when we tried this out. We had a few projects to get it going. And when we started to get, um, Like Jen said, we went kind of grassroots, scrappy, door-to-door with our flyers to places and maybe emailed them to some people. Um, But as soon as we got online and joined some Facebook groups that were affiliated with crafting, people just started to sign up more quickly. And um, yeah, we found it was a little bit, it was harder to get the projects because you can find where the crafters are. Like we are where we are all kind of in the same places. We're at the yarn and fabric stores. We are in certain groups on social media. Um, we love to connect with each other through this. And so word of mouth happens um, much more quickly between us. People with projects, um are trickier to find because they could be anybody. They're, they are all of us, you know, it's everybody. And so you can't really necessarily find people in a localized place. We did try um, senior centers and reaching out to hospices, um, but it's it was hard to find like an umbrella organization of those kinds of places to kind of, cause they're just two people. We're just two people trying to get the word out. So um, almost consistently throughout this entire year, we have had about a 1 to 12 project to finisher ratio.
0: Wow. That's actually really great because that means that you can make sure that the project ends up with exactly the... Right. Perfect. Finisher. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And 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 it actually has been a blessing in disguise. And on the one hand, we have a lot of now that we have grown to almost 17,000 volunteer finishers. That means that there are about 15,000 volunteer finishers who are waiting for projects to do with varying degrees of patience. Right. However, I want
2: to do help. I want to help.
1: Yeah. But the projects that are submitted, are, whereas in the beginning, when we didn't have as many people all over the place, we would have to make these matches and maybe things would have to go into the mail more frequently, or they would have to go with a finisher who maybe wasn't as comfortable or experienced. Now, there are so many people and they do so many amazing crafts and at every skill level and so some of whom are just at really high level um, right, like functioning and just making the most amazing things and teaching it in universities and stuff. we're able to get projects into the hands of somebody who's going to be just right. And yeah, so that's been the ble- that's been like the one of the many um, blessings in disguise of this.
2: Uh, but that's not to, like we do have these really really talented people but then we have people who are like I can do a chevron afghan like nobody's business crocheting we need those too because the crafts we get are so we get these beautiful tapestries that someone needs to work on and then we get like we got snowballs that were made from styrofoam that need a little knit um scarves to make them into snowmen and we had a whole family that each got one and it was i mean it was beautiful and that like somebody was thinking that everybody needed one of these so the the degree of craft is is all over the place and having all these people because we we have people say well why would I want to be a finisher you have so many it's just so wonderful to have so many to choose from to get the exact person you might be the exact person so sign up
1: yeah
0: How what what's the matching process like how are you How are you making sure that the person who's getting sent what is obviously a very emotionally charged item, especially if you're talking about like a blanket that your mom couldn't finish, how do you make sure that that's ending up in the hands of someone who knows what to do with it and won't ruin it?
1: That's a great question. We do try to match first, um, like Jen said earlier, we try to match people first geographically and then the person with the appropriate craft experience and then the appropriate... Um, Like level that they, you know, are they a pro? Are they intermediate? Are they a beginner? Um, So we have this formula where we match first that way. And then um, we do ask people when they sign up to become volunteers, what their druthers are. Like, do they like to do certain kinds of things over others? Some people are find a whole blanket overwhelming. That's too much. Or 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 would love a blanket, but haven't constructed a sweater yet, or, or or could take any and all manner of things, or people who just are like, nope, I do socks, I only do socks. So, or they don't want any that's been around cats, or cigarette smoke, or um, there's all all kinds of variables that might affect who gets matched with a project. Um and we do like to take into account what people enjoy. So, and if you and if we match a project that checks all the boxes in terms of skill and location um and preferences and and then offer a project to a finisher, um, they then get to look at the story, look at the pictures, and they tell us yes or no. So we aren't um, arbitrarily just matching people and hoping it goes well. It's There is a, a whole process beforehand. Once a finisher says yes to a project, then we introduce them through email to the project owner um, and they kind of take the conversation from there. Most of the time, it's a good fit, I will say. Like because we do so much in advance Um and because that this is a really hands-on process, it's not a computer making these matches. You know, it's not an algorithm. There's no AI involved. It's man, gen, and our brains and our eyes um, making these happen. Um, it- it's a it's a very like thoughtfully done, and um, most of the time, it's a good match. Uh, and we have also found that finishers. The way that they respond to uh, um, our invitation, like once we introduce them to project owners, we find that finishers are just very, um, what's the word? They're just very like gracious, like they're just very um, uh, sensitive and understanding that someone may be grieving and how important this piece of handwork might be to that person. And they handle the relationship that way, like as though, and and as though they're privileged to be able to offer this to the family. And that's one of the things that Jen and I've noticed is just how beautiful and um that, The fin on the finisher side of things just how like just how it has felt like an honor to be able to provide this kind of comfort to somebody else um in this way um we weren't i don't i think we were hoping that would be the case but i don't think we were necessarily had expectations but um we're as we are um Privy to the at least the beginning of the conversations between people, um, and we're seeing how people are interacting with each other. It's just been like this lovely, um, there's this lovely kind of empathetic exchange, and um, and we get to witness it, and then we kind of back off and let that relationship happen without us until the end.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I expected, I, I'm a believer in in strangers and how awesome strangers can be, um, I might be, I don't know, I, I just expect the best from people. Um, but man, this how how kind and gracious these people are and the empathy that they show. And I don't know why I'm surprised crafters are a pretty empathetic group, they make they take their mania and they make hats for, you know, the homeless, or they make quilts for babies in hospitals. Like, that's something that they, if you look around, they're, they're doing this kind of stuff all the time. So I'm not surprised that they signed up to do it. I What, what was refreshing and wonderful was that how gentle they are with these people. It's usually a very gentle, like, I'm so honored i can't believe it and i think they get a lot out of the process themselves because being able to help somebody is uh it's kind of like a drug it gives you the dopamine response that you that you need and it it um it, it just is a really lovely thing to be able to 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 take your skill and, and turn it over and give it to somebody else that that was hurting so
1: i don't know i just people are amazing Um, I'll also add that um, while there are two sides to the relationship, there's the um, craft, the finisher, the crafter who's going to take the project, and then there's the family member who has, who owns the project. Um, Usually only one side of that relationship knows how to do the craft. Otherwise, Mm. it would be done by the family member. So, The finisher um, comes with those skills. However, the finisher, we are all affected by loss and grief, right? Like that is just the universal human condition. And so it's not really this, on the one hand, there's there's an otherness to, I don't know a craft, this person does, but then there's also this sameness as we have all experienced loss and and so when a finisher comes to the relationship, they often know exactly what it feels like and how to how to just how to be with somebody who is um sometimes feeling really hard feelings at that time because um some projects have been sitting around for 40 years before we match them, but also we have a lot of projects and a lot of people who are just coming to us with projects now, really, really like grieving now. And um, and so, yeah, so that's been, I mean, touching on what Jen said earlier, finishers will come to the relationship kind of knowing automatically what we don't train anybody, but everybody knows what to say, how to say, like just how to be with another person because often um they've also been in the same shoes right so yeah so that's been a kind of a nice a nice aspect of all of this too
2: yeah and it I mean it's not mandatory that you've lost somebody to be a finisher no. but what we're finding yeah. is the people who are signing up you know more times than not like we just had a finisher finish a sweater for another person and they turned out they both lost their their moms at an early age and they they had that to talk about so i think a lot of our finishers are bringing that those experiences with them and and thus the, the a large amount of empathy which is just so nice to see in the world today
0: Right. I can also imagine that there's a certain amount of selection bias happening here. Like the type of person who's going to sign up to finish these projects left behind. And it's, you know, when you're knitting a sweater, it's a lot of work. And then to not keep that sweater at the end is a very, the only word I can think of now is noble. And I kind of like how it feels in this context. But, you know, this, it it is, you know, a very noble kind of act to, um, to do. So it makes sense that you would also end up with just really, lovely, empathetic, gentle people who are good at kind of walking someone else through the process of finishing this project.
1: Good point. That's a good point. Yeah.
0: Do you ever, I got to know, like, has anyone ever really messed up grandma's blanket? Has it, has there? have there been any real disasters?
2: It's an excellent question and something that I lose a lot of sleep over at night, um, (laughs) Uh, I have, we, we have been, I'm going to knock on wood right now. Uh, we've been really lucky. There have been, um, we've had people call in a panic when we were first matching people. I, I once had a woman call me in tears saying, I just don't know how to do intarsia decreases on a sleeve. And I was like, dude, I don't know how to do that either, but we've got other people who can help us. So we, we matched her with somebody who could help and that we ended up just taking back and finding we have a couple of ringers who can pull us out of a problem if if things get tense. Um, we did have a lace piece that I can in early on. I was like, "Oh, you can try it and see what happens." I uh, don't. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> if if you say I'm not comfortable with lace, if you say that that is not my jam, I will say thank you. We're moving on. I am not. It just doesn't have to happen. Um, that lace piece, uh, I found an expert in lace, and she took it. And I got a talking to about reading the yarn and knowing what I. And I was like, "Yes, Miss Kate, you thank you." And uh, that was a happy ending too. So we've been, uh, we've been. I don't want to say we've been lucky because we've been pretty good. Um, we do have a, you know, we do have a, a terms and agreements that you know that we're trying our best. It's a volunteer service. Sometimes things can happen but for the most part we we've, we've had very happy people at the end.
1: Yeah, and we have had to rematch a handful of things for sure for that reason. So rather I think that uh, so finishers who maybe feel that they've gotten themselves into something maybe bigger than they thought or harder than they thought have had the sense to reach back out to us and say um I can't do this versus trying anyway and making it um a problem. We do encourage people to put in something called a lifeline along the same lines, um, at least with knitting, so that it's basically a, a line of yarn that goes through and stops any, um, so that once someone continues on someone else's work, if they do have to rip it out, because of a mistake or a problem, it's not going to go any farther than that lifeline. So it preserves the original crafter's stitches there. I don't think I've Um, ever heard of that. Can you explain more about
0: how that works? Because like, okay, so I come from a long line of knitters, like we've mentioned. Uh um, And I actually did attempt knitting at about eighth grade. My eighth grade yearbook photo was in a vest that I knitted myself and it was a fantastic blue and I'm still proud of it. And I haven't made any, and I haven't knitted anything since because once I finished that, I was like, I'm done. Did that, good. great finish I have knitted something I'm done I'm I'm finished and then I moved on to sewing and that's what I do now um but the the when in knitting if you want to pull something out I think it's called frogging right yeah
1: yeah, yeah.
0: so, rip so it. If, rip yeah it. talk talk rip me it. Lo- rip it that oh is that where it comes from yes I didn't know that oh explain <laughs> to me okay talk to me about frogging and lifelines I'd love to learn more about this.
1: <laughs> and I also want to see a picture of you in your 8th grade vest please. I'm, like I eight, will send it exactly. to you and I will post yeah. it when this goes live. Want to see. So frogging is pulling out your work. Um which if you're crocheting isn't scary because you're only ever left with one loop and you know where that is, but with knitting you have to take it all the way off the needles and when you're pulling out the work you're pulling out um every everything is unraveling down together um which i think is actually really fun i i actually don't mind I mean, if you learn how to put it back on and save it and and fix dropped stitches then um it's it's less scary to do it it's always a bummer cuz you you never want to like rip out your work but a lifeline you basically take a darning needle and you and you move it just through all of the stitches underneath the needle so it, that they're never going to be able to unravel, right? And then you just kind of like, I always just tie oh, it there. Oh, that's
0: so cool. So then you just tie it on each end and then it prevents those loops from going through because the lifeline holds them on top.
1: The lifeline is going to hold them on top. Exactly.
0: Oh, very so, so clever. And
1: you just, you just leave it there and you just keep doing what your thing. And then at some point, if you're done, you can just pull the lifeline out and- It's fine. Or if you've messed up, then you do have to rip it out. It's never going to go farther than that because they're all nice and like secured there together. They're never going to start to go down too.
0: So you don't have, so if, if if the finishers put in that lifeline, then they, then they don't have to worry about like
1: undoing whatever work was already done on the beginning of the project. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that their loved ones, the loved ones handwork, um, isn't messed with like that. And that's usually very important. And and people are, are more keen to keep their loved one's stitches intact rather than have them be perfect. Like a lot of times there are mistakes in in people's work. Um, A lot of times people are going through treatments at the time that they were making their last project And there are imperfections or something's tight, something's wrong. Usually um, a finisher is encouraged to ask the project owner, what do you want me to do with this? Like, there's a mistake in here. Do you want me to leave it alone or do you want me to fix it? Most of the time people want it to be left alone because that was their loved one's work, right? That was their thing. So we're finding that usually it stays that way. That
0: makes sense. I think that if I was in that situation, I would also want to just leave it, you know, however it was. What types of projects are you mostly getting? Is it mostly knitting, mostly crochet? You mentioned lace. What type of, talk to me about what, what's available.
2: Gosh, it's, it runs the gamut. We have, uh, at first people thought we just did knitting projects because, and that's what we're comfortable talking about because we can do a crochet projects. We are comfortable, um, but we get needlepoint, we get cruel work, we get embroidery. We, there's, there's a lot of times where we'll get stuff and i'll try and, l- and match it and and we discover it's a new craft that I didn't know about like. I had this blanket that I gave to a knitter and they're like yeah as not knitting and I was like what it's totally knitting it's on a knitting needle and they're like nope it's crochet and then the person who's whose project was it my mom said this was crochet i'm like okay so then i posted in our finisher group which we have a finisher group on facebook um old school but it works really well and we've got about eight thousand people in there and you can post something in there and they th- they do things like oh yeah that's tunisian crochet and i'm like okay now i know that's a thing that's great or hairpin lace um that's another project another craft that was really I think in the 1970s it made a resurgence in the in the 40s because I know when I go to estate sales I always see a hairpin lace loom which I just thought was a it looks like a big stitch holder it's like a big U with some plastic across the back we've learned about that and we have hairpin lace projects that we finished we finished um, quilt tops that were pieces that go together we've finished um, some hand quilting on smaller projects just, I mean, if, if it's a fiber arts craft, we have gotten it. I had a felting project that one of our finishers couldn't do because she can't felt anymore because it was too hard on her hands, even though she is still a knitter. And um, this is in Seattle where I live and a woman actually lives like doors from me. I didn't know, I didn't know her. And I found a, a felter that lives on the next neighborhood over. And I, I mean, There's it. it's really it runs a gamut and um, the the skill level is expert to, you know, competent beginner. Um, So it's really it's amazing what we've gotten. We have gotten people who are like, I just don't want to finish this. And we're like, yeah, that's not how any of this works. No, I have a lot of things I don't want to finish.
1: No, I was going to say we've been getting a lot of mending projects too. So, um, projects that were finished already and enjoyed for years by a loved one, but that are cherished and maybe now starting to unravel somewhere or showing a hole, and um, those are those count. We like we like those too, and because it's it's really the same thing. We're helping to preserve someone's um precious handwork that someone made for them, special. So, we do, do have a lot of finishers who have signed up and offered mending.
2: We just got a, a blanket that I think went through three generations of people. It was it was a mom's blanket and then a daughter's and then her daughter is going to get it. And um, they sent pictures of all the people who had loved that and enjoyed that blanket, which was super sweet. Because as a blankie girl, I had a blankie when I was growing up. And uh, I found it really fun to take the really soft uh, satin edge off and hanging out the window because when I was little, we could still hang out the window without seat belts. Um, and uh, we were on a car trip and I did that and we got to a place and I had my blanket that never had the edge on it. And uh, this wonderful woman named Helen Rowe, who we were saying with sat down and put a new binding on it so that I could have my blanket back in tip top shape and explain that when you throw things out the window, when you're driving in a car, you might not get them back.
1: So. Jen. I've- I still sleep with my baby blanket.
2: Oh, that's I adorable.
1: Still I still have it. I put it away when I was in middle school for a little while. Cause I was, you know, it was middle school and I was embarrassed or something like anyone would know. But, um, I soon took it out of the drawer. I was like, I I, I knew it was in the drawer. I was like in bed looking at the drawer. I'm like, why? I want that. What's wrong with me that I can't go get my <laughs> stupid blanket? And I love I to this day love it. like I can't sleep without it. and if I and when I got married, my godmother, who made it for me when I was born, made me a second one exactly like it
2: just in case oh so I would have a
1: backup, and now I need both of them to sleep i
2: I slept with my blankie forever and a giant pillow, and uh Spencer has replaced the giant pillow. my my husband has replaced my pillow, so. Just, which is good. or I would The just circle have... of life right there. Yeah. yeah oh,
0: I, I can't help lovely. but wonder, as someone, like I said, who has been, you know, I, very much a crafter, these types of things can be expensive, right? Like yarn is expensive. Um, you know, all the supplies that go into all of this can can really add up very quickly. Are the finishers taking on any cost associated with like new materials? How does that work?
1: So most of the time, most of the time, the project was left behind with the rest of the material required to finish it. And that's not always the case, um, but uh, most of the time it's there. Um, and if it's not, it is not the finisher's responsibility to cover any of the costs. It, it's um, The responsibility really lies on the project owner but if they don't have the resources for that, we can usually help figure out something else. And, and we've had finishers also looking for um materials that are just don't exist anymore. That that's that's trickier. Um what kind of things has
0: that happened with?
1: Oh, sweaters where um there where the where the yarn wasn't left behind with the rest, but it's required to finish it and then um We're looking on Etsy. We're looking on eBay. We're trying to find vintage um, little uh, stuff that's just like out of production now. And that can be trickier. However, um, in the case where we can't find it, um, we reframe the entire problem to be uh, a blessing in disguise that you can finish the project with a different, material a different maybe a slightly different color and it actually just shows the distinction more clearly where the original crafter finished up and where the finisher took it like um you can see it because it looks newer or it might be a different shade or might be something and and even though it may not be classically perfect anymore it is perfect for what it is. Like it shows like, look, this is where my loved one was working on it. And this is where a stranger came in who I didn't know and cared enough to finish this for me. Like it's still a beautiful illustration of something that happened. And that story is kind of told in the garment or in the, in the work um, in its quote unquote imperfection, which I don't even want to call it imperfection because-
2: and we i mean again to the horde of finishers we have on our on our facebook group sometimes they have it in their stash like oh i made that sweater once i think i've got the thing and sometimes we go onto ravelry i had a I, a finisher and i were both searching for yarn on ravelry to see if we could finish a project and we found it we found two balls of it And we approached the person who was selling it on Ravelry, and they were like, "I'll give it to you at cost because this is a wonderful thing, and that I'll just it'll just pay the expense to ship it." Like when people find out what it's for, gosh, they're very generous. Um, And we also um, it's it's funny we there's a there's a vintage uh, yarn and craft shop in Massachusetts that has stuff, and sometimes they're able to help us. Yeah, it's it's it it finds a way. And that's that's kind of the beauty of this whole thing is that we're not really restoring. We have some museums on on call like we can call some museums because we've gotten some really old stuff. And the conversation that I have with the museum people are they're like, well, if it was up to us, we would just hang it, frame it and put it in unfinished. And that would just be an example of it. But you're not really restoring you're 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 finishing so we've had some interesting conversations about where to get stuff and yeah meaning the museums
0: are just I would presume just like experts on old stuff
2: they're yeah I found some textile experts at uh Museum of uh of history and industry down here in Seattle. Uh, The Burke Museum has some, some people that are willing to talk to us if we find something that uh, is native in in nature, you know, if we have uh, indigenous people, some of those things might have different, uh, you know, different symbol, symbolism, and we want to be sensitive, and we're just trying to, trying to do right by the person who started it, so.
0: Right, I, I totally hear that. That is so fascinating. This has all just been such a fun this is I feel warm and fuzzy and I like it it's just like it's like you said it's nice to know that there are people out there doing nice things especially as someone who makes things there's a lot of there's so much heart and soul that goes into those projects and it really is heartbreaking to have an unfinished piece from someone who's no longer with us and it's so special to get it finished it really is and i'm so glad that the two of you are facilitate facilitating that uh, if somebody wants to sign up to be a finisher to submit a project where do i go how do i find more how do i how, how do i how do, how do i become a part of the orbit
1: I love that question. Um, anyone who wants to sign up to become a finisher can do so by visiting our website at um, On Right on our homepage is a button to become a volunteer finisher, another button to submit a project if anyone has a project that they would like to have finished. Um, we have a donate button there for anyone who is interested in supporting our work. Um, and we have links to all of our social media if anyone wants to connect with us there. And, um, oh, and another, oh, Jen.
2: Go ahead, mate.
1: I was going to say another important um, um, thing we would love to offer for people to help us with is to help us spread the word about um, our need for projects. And there's a page on our website called Flyers, and if anyone is interested in downloading the flyer um, and sharing it locally in their communities, we really appreciate that. They can either print them and actually hoof it through their town, like Jen and I did early on, or they can email it to people they think might be interested, libraries, senior centers, hospices, um, yarn and fabric stores nearby, Friends. Funeral parlors. Funeral parlors, friends, um, any anywhere in the community that they think uh someone might be open to it, where someone else might see it and understand learn that we exist. Um, because that helps the projects to to find their way to to us and to finishers.
2: And I thought of two other things. Um, we if you don't have a fiber arts skill, but you still want to help and you might be, I don't know, a computer programmer or a project manager that really wants to dig into a web app design, we have some stuff for people like that, too, because we're, uh, we were first working in a spreadsheet, which was 17,000 rows. It's very difficult. And now we have a web app that imports people. Um, the other thing that we, we need help with is that we're in 60 countries right now, oh. um, and we don't speak all those languages those languages are, are different than English. And we're trying to <laughs> uh, bring information to people that um, that might not speak English because we don't want to be in English centric. So if you have a, a language that you speak and you want to help us translate or help us localize our, our project to other countries, we'd love to talk to you too. And the very last thing we do accept donations of, of to to work on our work but we don't at this time accept donations of craft supplies macy and i uh, live in separate parts of the country we never actually touch the projects that we match with people um so uh as much as we'd like to help we do have a, a a website page that has all the places in the united states and canada that we've found that will accept um craft supplies so that your crafter supplies don't go to waste so
0: I love that. So lucensproject.org is a fantastic resource with everything that you could possibly need around crafting and around this. Um, And I hope that somebody listening gets involved because it does sound, it it does sound really fantastic. Um, I would love to know, this is, you know, this is actually the first time that I'm asking this in this way. Usually I end off each uh, interview with the same question to everyone. And I've recently decided to modify that question a little bit. Where do you think you've had the biggest impact in your life?
2: So um, before I've had, I, w- I was in cor- a corporate world for a while, but before that I was a, a middle school and high school teacher. And um, I think I made the most impact, even with all this stuff, which is I think is wonderful. I'm really excited to be part of it. And I'm, I think we're making a big impact with this, but I recently heard from one of my students that because of me, she became a teacher. I made a teacher mm. people. That's like a big deal. I won. I won <laughs> the whole thing.
0: <laughs> you really did. Yeah. One, 100%. Um, Macy, and, I did need to say,
2: and Nicole, if you ever hear this, good job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's tough. I think that, that one of the places where I hope that I've, made an impact is, in addition to Lucent's project, I here in Portland, Maine, run a volunteer group that assists local asylum seekers and refugees. And in a lot of cases was almost like a model in some ways for Lucen's project in that we run completely on Facebook in a group and it basically connects people with um things that, that newcomers may need with the people who are assisting newcomers. So all of the schools are in there, the libraries, all of the nonprofits are in there. Um, and then also just individuals like um, myself who just care and it's a place where, um, someone who is needing someone on someone else's behalf can say, I need three beds, I need a pair of shoes. I need, you know, we need X,YZ for someone who just arrived. And um, there are also 3,000 people in that group who are, live around here who can say, I have that size shoes, I'll leave them on my front steps. I have those mattresses, I'll drop them off it, blah, blah, blah. So um, in that sense, that organization I've been working with for the past maybe seven or eight years and... um. And I know that even though I'm facilitating other people doing the work, much like Lucent's project, we're kind of like, it's similar. And like, how can I get people to do nice things for each other? Am I doing the work? No, I'm doing the work of getting other people to do the work. So, um, But the organizer,
0: it's just as important.
1: Basically, the organizer. So I think that um, that might be that's one of the things that I feel very happy that I'm still able to do. And that I feel makes a big impact on my community here.
0: I love that. Thank you so much for coming on today. You too. I am. I really appreciate it. And I'm so glad we got to have this conversation.
1: Thank you.
2: Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. This is, this has been great. It's really fun to talk to you. I, uh I'm excited to hear other of your podcasts now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Me too. <laughs> this, this is so cool. I I'm, um, I'm gonna go check them out, and I really, really want to see your eighth grade vest so I will bad. send it
0: to you. I will absolutely okay. send it to okay. you. I promise. <laughs> Thank,
1: you. Thank
0: you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Macy, Jen, and Project. The links are in the show notes, and if you're listening to this within 24 hours of when it was released, that photo is in my Instagram stories. Last week's episode was our big anniversary bash. I shared my thoughts on this milestone and my favorite moments from last year's clips. Find it wherever you're listening to this episode. The Be Impactful Podcast is a project of Impact Fashion, the clothing I and I created because I believe that we are all deserving of the beautiful things life has to offer. See my modest designs that are available in sizes two through twenty-eight by going to impactfashionnyc.com. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art. There are currently 20 people listed by Ora Agunot as a recalcitrant party. View their names, photos, locations, and details of their cases by visiting getora.org slash parties The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses. Original music composed by Nissan Fatman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Riff Eswitz. Catch me on all the socials, including TikTok, at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together.